listening to the Soil Talk podcast. I am your host, Tim Mundorf, Nutrient Management Lead with Central Valley Ag. In Soil Talk, we will dive into managing soil fertility and applied nutrients while pursuing top yield. So, Aaron, we've got a guest today, uh, our boss, Glenn Franzlubers, our Director of Professional Ag Services. Welcome to Soil Talk, Glenn. Thanks, Tim and Aaron. Glad to be here. So, Glenn... uh, director of professional ag services what do you do it's really all centered around working with existing ag technology as well as researching and implementing emerging ag technology so glenn talk a little bit more about that emerging technologies i know you see a lot of things that get brought to you kind of as they're coming to market or even before they're ready to come to market what are some of the new things that cva is looking at Yeah, there's a lot of different things on our plate right now that we're looking at. And, you know, that's part of our whole team's role is looking at these emerging technologies. Um, First off, before I kind of get into a couple of those, um, when we're looking at researching these or looking at a new product or service, we have to kind of look at this, you know, does this product or service fill a need for our customers? Uh, Does it solve a problem they're having? Does it create an efficiency or does it increase profitability? You know, when we're looking at these emerging technologies, it has to give benefit to our customers in order for it to be successful. So a few of the things that we are looking at currently, and we can kind of get into these a little more into depth, but um, we're looking at some drone spraying uh, technology, some drone scouting technology, uh, Raven's Omni Drive, which is a driverless tractor for grain cart operation. And we're also looking at some things with pivot technologies on how to sense soil moisture without physical moisture probes. And Glenn, I know we had a demonstration out at our Oakland hub here just uh, a couple days ago on that drone spraying. What did, what did you think about that? Is that uh, technology uh, developing fairly rapidly? Yes, I think it is developing pretty rapidly. Um, It's going to have some niche markets that we can work with. You know, with the with the Rantizo drone spraying equipment, um, it's obviously a pretty good sized drone, and it has up to a 16 foot boom. So with the with the nozzles, it can cover a 20 foot swath through the field. Um, it does have a 10 liter or about 2.7 gallon tank. So with that, with one drone at about a three gallon per acre rate, we can cover about 14 acres an hour uh, or roughly 100 acres a day. Uh, what they were doing yesterday with the, the demonstration is they were flying their swarm. So they can send up three drones at a time. So if we can do the swarm spraying, obviously we triple the amount of acres that we can get over. You know, in the future, they're working on adding more volume to the tank and uh, adding more drones to the swarm, you know, maybe going up from three to five and then adding some more tank volume so we can actually get over more acres. Today, it's an FFA deal on how much weight that can be be included with the drone and the payload. Uh, so we'll kind of see where that goes, but a lot of the future is is looking at more drones, more volume, cover, and more acres. 
I know as we were talking about it yesterday, we kind of talked about, you know, what products are we currently spraying at, at rates that would probably match those tank capacities, you know, things like fungicide and insecticide probably would make sense even right now. Um, another thing we talked about was specialty crops and some of our need to be extremely precise around things like grapes and vegetables and, and things like that, or possibly even some of our post herbicide with the sea and spray technology. If we moved into that where we don't have to spray all the time, maybe uh, some of that would make sense as well. I should say, absolutely. Um, you know, there's going to be a lot of opportunities for us and some of them no might not be the traditional spraying that we're doing. There's going to be some niche markets for it that, that we'll be able to come up with. So Glenn, your team is already looking at these autonomous sprayers. What other types of remote equipment, autonomous equipment is your team also evaluating right now? Right now we are looking at Raven OmniDrive. Um, this is the driverless tractor that can hook up to a grain cart. So, you know, as we know, the the labor situation is always an issue and efficiencies. Um, what this product can do on the OmniDrive from Raven is it can allow whoever's driving the combine to control the grain cart um, automatically without a driver actually in that tractor. So they can call up the grain cart when they're ready to dump. It's synced with the combine they can dump on the grain cart and then it'll go back to the edge of the field to the staging area or where the semi is. So then somebody can dump from the grain cart into the semi. Today, you physically have to dump, dump the grain. But with this, I could see there being a couple of these Omni drives in the field going back and forth to the combine um, for efficiency, labor, labor shortages, um, just just making the whole harvest part more efficient. And then Glenn, I know you talked a little bit about autonomous pivot. What is that? Yeah, autonomous pivot is we're utilizing some AI technologies and some ground penetrating radar uh, that can help measure soil moisture without a physical moisture probe. Um, what we have is we have, have this unit that we mount on the pivot and it has ground penetrating radar. So what this can do is it can estimate the amount of available moisture uh, that's available for the plants without actually physically going out and placing a probe in the soil. Um, you know, soon they're gonna be working on coming out with what they're calling their nitrogen torch, which is a nitrogen sensor. So we'll be able to estimate, you know, whether it's needing some side dress nitrogen um, if there's any deficiencies out there and looking at looking at a lot of those things as, as the pivot is going through the field. And Glenn, my understanding is you've got a couple of those systems actually uh, out on pivots uh, this summer. Is that right? That's right. We actually have four of those systems out this this summer that we are evaluating. Um, again, it's it's a newer technology and they did have some out last year, um, but it's still, it's still a little bit under the development process, but we're starting to see some decent results from it. So we'll kind of see where it goes this summer and hopefully it's, it's something that we can offer to more of our customers when we go into 2022 season. 
Invariberate irrigation really is not completely new technology for CVA. We've been doing uh, mapping of soil texture with either uh, electromagnetic or electrical conductivity and then combining that with soil moisture probes to do invariberate irrigation prescriptions for some time, haven't we? Absolutely. We've been doing that for quite a few years and being able to change that speed of the pivot. Uh, today, we've just been changing the speed of the pivot instead of changing individual nozzles. But as that pivot's going around, we'll increase or decrease the speed based on that soil texture, um, soil water holding capacity, slope, um, whatever other conditions that we might be seeing out there. So yes, we've been doing that for, for quite a few years and having some success. And with autonomous pivot, the end goal is to be able to automatically do variable rate irrigation as that pivot is going around, as that sensor is monitoring the available soil moisture to speed up or slow down that pivot as it's just going around the field automatically. I want to change gears here for a minute. We've talked a little bit about drones used for spraying. Now, Aaron, you've got some experience using drones for scouting, both in looking at problems and just kind of overlooking uh, field health in the past. What's your experience been with drones? Yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's pretty incredible. When we look at the last few years here where, you know, we're starting to see the, the market um, not only becoming more, more options, but also starting to see that price point lower. Quite honestly, as an agronomist or a crop consultant, if you can have a drone in your toolbox to be able to evaluate things, it, it's such an, or even just as a grower, it's such an advantageous tool because just the capability of, of a drone, um, you know, from the bare minimum, what it provides to you is that bird's eye view of what's happening in the field. You know, when you think about it, we pull up to a quarter section of corn, um, especially on a hot July, June, July day, like, you know, today's in the 90s, going to be over 100 degrees here in a couple of days. It's really tough to get across that field and really see the broad picture of it. You know, you're really kind of limited to wherever you pull your pickup or your four-wheeler up to that field to really get an idea of what's going on. Um, and there's been so many times already where put the drone up in the air, get that aerial view of that field, and it really helps you identify those problems. Um, you know, you kind of go to the next step with, with drones or that aerial imagery, and it'll allow you to look at, say, um, NDVI, which is a vegetative index, um, which kind of helps you identify which are kind of the poor producing fields or kind of the poor performing fields compared to the better performing fields. Um, one of my best eye-opening experiences when it came to being able to have that imagery that came off of a drone was um, I remember one time where we kind of had a kind of had a fan pattern in a in a field that had a center pivot on it and when when the pivot got into the corners we saw kind of that vegetative index we saw poor production within that part of the field well what we found out was happening was that when that corner system on the pivot kicked on our water pressure was dropping and we weren't putting on as much water when we were going through that corner. Uh, and it just came out clear as day when we were looking at, you know, when we sat down in the in the in the fall, the grower was trying to figure out what was going on, why this is a very consistent field, not a whole lot of soil variability, elevation was pretty similar. Um, once we got that, looked at that imagery, looked at that uh, vegetative index, we were able to identify that we had a problem with the pivot and make those corrections. So uh, like I said, anything from just a just a visualization, being able to see what what's going on in that field from a larger view, 
to all the way on the other side where you can get some pretty advanced images um, depending on what type of cameras you have on that drone to be able to really detect kind of the, the better versus poor performing parts of those fields. Glenn, some of the new technology with drone scouting, I believe, is uh, able to actually make physical stand counts now and give us some indications of what it's seen from nutrient deficiency or at least the visual symptoms of that. Is that right? Yep, that's absolutely correct. You know, Aaron kind of nailed it on the head um, with what some of those benefits are. But like you said, there are some new technologies. We're working with Tyrannus on their Smart Scout program. And they fly the drones over and with their, their AI technologies or their artificial intelligence, they're able to identify insects, weeds, diseases. Like you said, it can do population counts as it's going across there. Uh, so we get a good representative view of what the population is out there. Um, so if we do have to go out and do some replanting or, or something like that, or there's some emergence issues, we know right where to go in the field. It also can help identify nutrient deficiencies. Um, you know, their, their AI technologies continue to improve. So every year, every month, the more information, the more acres, everything it goes through, this technology keeps improving as we, as we go forward. And I think it's gonna be something that can play a very big role in helping our growers be more efficient, more profitable on the farm. Um, one of the cool things about it too is, you know, we had mentioned the drone spraying here a little earlier with the Tyrannus drone scouting. If there's areas out there that need to be sprayed for insects, diseases, nutrient deficiency, needs to be replanted because of poor population, we can actually export a zone map out of there and bring it into another program to either do variable, variable rate seeding, just plant those areas, or with the drone spraying, we could import a zone map on which areas need to be treated, send that drone up and be able to take care of just those specific areas rather than spraying the whole field or treating the whole field. Glenn, I know one thing you always reiterate to us is uh, some of these newest cutting edge, bleeding edge type technologies, that's not generally where we want to start a grower. We kind of want to start them back with the old, uh, more basic agronomy, grid sampling, getting your fertility right, and then move to some of these newer technologies. Isn't that right? Absolutely. Um, you know, when we are looking at technology, we have to start with the basics. Uh, we have to look at what the most yield limiting factor is. And a lot of times early on, that's could be nutrients, it could be pH, uh, could be plant population, um, could be nitrogen. So those are the ones that we have to focus on first, um, doing the greater zone sampling, doing the variable rate applications, doing variable rate seeding and nitrogen. That way those key factors are, they're covered first to make sure that's not a yield limiting factor. Um, and then we can start moving into some of the more technical, more newer technologies to help us refine what's going on out there and help us take those yields up to the next level. 
Aaron, any new technologies you're seeing out there you got questions about? You know, it's just everything new every day. I mean, you know, we're talking about the, you know, all the autonomous equipment, you know, with the sprayer and the grain cart and all that. That's kind of that subdivision that we're looking at. You know, now we have these sensors being able to have mounted onto a, a pivot and be able to make modifications based on what it's what it's measuring there. Uh, you know, we just have all these different kind of soil remote sensing type of technologies that are coming. You know, I know I know another big push in the industry right now on the technology side is being able to develop on-the-go sensors or on-the-go tools to be able to do, you know, instantaneous soil analyses. You know, sure, it may not be as accurate as what you can get if you put that sample into a bag and send it off to a soil test lab, but it gives you a good indicator of, you know, maybe what's a good or a poor spot. Uh, and, and that's something, again, that would be kind of an on-the-go type of a system. We're even seeing that kind of technology is just even in the uh, soil sampling area where we're starting to see automated soil sampling rigs where, um, you know, really be able to improve efficiency of a soil sampler to be able to collect samples, get more samples in a day, um, improve your density within that field. Again, to try to get better, more accurate information, more data points you can get in that field, a better idea you can get of your nutrient status. Uh, so it's just a, a really exciting time seeing all the different technologies being developed and not only on the practicality side of what we're doing in the field, but also on the soil sampling and soil testing side as well. There's just a lot of innovation coming and, and it's just going to only continue to, to keep ramping up. One thing I always think of is kind of the in-between technology between this cutting edge and, and back to, you know, our good grid and zone sampling and that base of getting soil fertility right is the verberate populations, you know, verberate seeding for corn, verberate seeding for soybeans. How do we bring that into a program? Yeah, I think that's a great question, Tim. So, you know, if you think about it, what were our initial, you know, when, when we started doing variable rate maps, you know, there's the, the very easy way was if you're a, if you had a pivot, you know, was going to do a, a split of your pivot versus your dryland corners. That was the very, um, very basic type of a map. And then as we started to move into the zones and that type of methodology, you know, when, when we started drawing prescription maps for, for uh, seeding really was really based on soil types. Well, again, the, our tools, our ability to do, you know, um, so if, for example, do an electrical conductivity map on the field gives us a more, allows us to create more accurate zones. Um, and then as we, you know, how many of those, how many growers that we know of, they've got just years and years and years of, of binders or notebooks of, of yield maps. Well, it's it's taking that kind of information, taking the information that we get from you know, um, doing a, an EC analysis, taking our grid sampling information, building all those layers to be able to accurately identify our zones and be able to have more accurate um, maps or, or, or prescription maps. We throw on top of that as well as that we know so much about hybrids. We know how they perform in the good areas and the bad areas. And when you bring all that information in, we know the population curves of these hybrids. We know where they're really strong and where they kind of in that, in that breaking point where if we get above that, then they really kind of start to fall apart. Putting all that together creates a highly um, accurate, impactful prescription. So Glenn, one thing I kind of remember is, uh, you know, as we were out there looking at developing verberate seeding maps off of yield, you know, a lot of guys would say, well, yield matches soil type or yield matches nutrient levels. And we didn't really find that. I mean, depending on how the ground rolled, especially a lot of times yield would match slope. Um, 
you know, weather, weather ground was getting uh, sun uh, from, a, from the, the way the sun faced the slope, whether there was a history of erosion. But sometimes you, you put that yield data out there and it doesn't match what uh, historically had been used to make uh, vertebrate seeding or, or uh, you know, yield correlation maps. Yeah, that's right. Um, there, there are a lot of factors that can affect the yield potential out in the field. So that's, that's one thing we focus on and what our team focuses on is trying to identify those factors and which ones are the most important. Like you said, it, it may not follow a, a yield map from year to year if it's a wet year versus a dry year. So we do have to look at the trends that are out there and try to identify what, what's causing those uh, those yield variations out there. You know, we don't just want to take a one-year yield map or take a one-season imagery and take a look at that and say, okay, this is what we're going to base it off of. Because depending on the year and depending on those factors, um, from one year to another, it could, it could flip from a high yield to a low yield. So we have to take all those factors and into consideration and look at some long-term trends on it. Yeah, I think one last thing to, to add on to Glenn's comments is that, you know, we're, we've been spending a lot of time on this call talking or on this podcast talking about automation. Well, we're starting, you know, there's a couple programs that are out there right now where you can easily and automated create a prescription just very quickly. I mean, you could go through the program, create a prescription based on, you know, a couple different, whether it were soil maps or whatever, um, and, and if you want a prescription map, you can produce it in five minutes. Now, is that the best way to do it? Probably not. I think that's where working with your field sales agronomists, as well as your ACS specialist in your area, um, can help you not only build that prescription map accurately, but make sure that you're accounting for all those, you know, you know your field better than anybody else. That's where your sales, field sales agronomist and ACS specialist can help you integrate all that into the prescription map, into the prescription and make a map that makes sense on your field and not rely on just a computer program to generate it for you and hope it matches to matches accurately to the field. That's a great point, Aaron. Uh, I know I was out working today, sampling some fields, uh, and the young man I was working with, we had uh, run across some uh, corn that had uh, urea applied early season into it. And, uh, you know, some urea dropped into the whirl on some of those plants and burned the edges of the leaf, as urea normally will. And uh, some of the technology that's out there in scouting might consider those burned or senesced edges of the leaf potassium deficiency. Uh, you don't really know those things unless you've got boots on the ground understanding of what's going on in that field. Yeah, absolutely. The technology makes things easier, but it doesn't replace the knowledge of your field sales agronomist. When you pair the ability to be able to quickly and, and look at things in a way you couldn't before, say by using a drone, you pair that with your with the knowledge of your field sales agronomist, as well as the understanding that he has of your fields and of your operation, that's when you can get that complete picture. And one, you know, just relying on the technology to do it isn't going to take you all the way. You definitely need that field sales agronomist and their knowledge of your operation to be able to really drive it home. Well, Glenn, is there anything else that's coming around the corner that uh, we should let our listeners know about? 
you know, there's always going to be some new things coming. Um, and like I'd said earlier, we're going to continue to research these. And, you know, we talked a little bit about the cutting edge, but some of these technologies were kind of in the middle between the cutting and bleeding edge. And, you know, some of these technologies that we're looking at, they're going to work great. They're going to hit, they're going to be a, a big success and help our growers be more successful. And some of them that we're researching may or may not make the cut. Um, you know, as we're, we have to start looking at them early on. Some of them that we're looking at now, we're looking at for next year, three years, five years down the road to make sure we can identify what those features, benefits, challenges are of this new technology and how it can benefit our customers. Um, you know, on a few of these, there's a few pain points and I can't say how much I appreciate some of our customers uh, being willing to test out some of this new technology. Uh, we're doing some pilot programs, we're doing some beta tests. And I know at times it can be a little painful or a little frustrating with, with brand new technologies as they're being developed. So, you know, kudos to some of our customers that are willing to take the time and the effort to help us look at some of these new technologies and help develop ACS, CVA, and some of the products and services that we're developing for the future. I think that's a good point, Glenn. That that's one thing that uh, our team really does for us is, is we vet these technologies for our growers. And frankly, we run into issues. And, and that's why I still have a blacksmith hammer that I bring around with me as we do some of these things. Yeah, that's absolutely correct. And one of the other things that we, we also try to focus on when we're working with new technologies or new companies is they have to be able to play well with others. You know, it's, there's not one technology that's gonna be able to like do everything. So we're gonna want these, these technologies to be able to have an API to another program, be able to import or export their data in and out of certain programs. Um, they have to be able to work together. Like, like I mentioned with the Tyrannus drone scouting, being able to take a zone map out of that and put it in to the Rantizo software for spraying. Um, you know, working with field reveal and our prescriptions going to different, different types of equipment. Um, and then on the pivot side, our variable rate prescriptions, being able to work with different pivots, um, bringing uh, soil moisture data in, uh, soil moisture probe data in to be able to refine some of these things. So that is one key thing that we look at when we're when we're looking at new technologies is they have to be work be able to work with other technologies and bring the whole the whole package and the whole program and the whole agronomic view together well guys we covered a lot of ground there is there anything else we're missing i don't think so um i guess my last parting thought is you know when when you think about technology and ag it can be pretty intimidating and, you know, maybe if you, you know, you only farm a couple hundred acres, you might look at it and say, well, technology does nothing for me. And when, when the actuality of it is that there's parts that can pretty much help every farmer. Um, you know, and, and there's entry points for everybody. And you don't have to throw the, you know, throw the whole checkbook at to try to buy, bring in as much technology in your operation as you can. Um, there's bits and pieces that you can bring in that can help bring additional value to your operation. 
and again, your field sales agronomist as well as your ACS specialist can help help you identify what tech, what pieces of technology may or may not make sense for your operation and can help your bottom line. Very well said, Aaron. And I, I would, uh, would reiterate that we have a tremendous team of precision ag specialists and field sales agronomists to help our growers out. So they just need to lean on them as much as they need to. And, you know, we'll help them find their way on the technology. Well, Glenn, thank you very much for joining us on Soil Talk. And I want to thank our listeners for listening. And as Aaron said, if you've got questions about the technology side, either see your local field sales agronomist or see our advanced cropping specialist with the ACS group, and uh, we can help you out. Thank you, guys. Thank you for joining us on Soil Talk. If you'd like to follow us, you can follow us on Twitter at ACS by CBA. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Central Valley Ag. If you'd like more information, visit cbacoop.com and you can see our agronomy focus blog series every other Thursday. With Soil Talk, this is Mick Godekin and Tim Mundorf.